We're going to talk about our recent mission trip to Kenya and all of the things that happened there. But first, your daily intelligence briefing. On the international front, so much happening, we don't even know where to start. Yes, we do. Here's the bottom line. In the next 10 days, there very likely is going to be an attempt by Russia to do a winter offensive in Ukraine. That will be, sh- that will be followed shortly by something out of China. Um, perhaps the start of the blockade of Taiwan. But these will be very, very close together in time. And we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Now, again, regardless of what you think about that subject, Ukraine was a sovereign and is a sovereign country. Um, This does not excuse, of course, Zelensky or any of these other people that are involved. But it is a sovereign country. And they do have a right of self-defense. And it was Russia in 2014 who began to shut down Protestant churches in eastern Ukraine. And it also is Russia who used the Orthodox Church and turned it into a mechanism in an arm of the KGB. These are all very clear, undisputed historical facts. And this should shape our view of this whole situation over there. Now, that said, there is a lot happening right now. And I want to go to Gateway Pundit. North Korea announces efforts to increase its preparedness for war. And this should be, you know, really not a shock to anybody. But the fact of the matter is that we are headed toward World War III. And it is coming very quickly. Like I've said, the bigger picture is that after the First World War, they tried to implement the League of Nations. The Second World War, they tried to implement the United Nations. And, of course, that is what their goal is after the Third World War, to implement the Great Reset. We don't need to be stuck on what the enemy is doing, but we do need to recognize that things are not, in many ways, as they seem and are being reported in the media. So be careful on all sides that you go with well-vetted sources. Now, I want to go next quickly, and this is kind of on the international and the national front, to a tweet by J. Michael Waller, um, who was talking about how the antidote, and this is back in the day when the FBI was actually pro-United States, um, and yes, I said that because today there are elements in the FBI who are not targeting the foreign elements in this country uh, that are funding Antifa, training Antifa, and coming against churches and pregnancy centers. Now, yes, they'll do a couple of arrests here and there, but those entire networks should be broken up, and particularly since they've demonstrated the ability to track people in granular detail. All right, now back to J. Michael Waller's tweet. It says this, that uh, a certain FBI director from long ago told of the best weapons against atheism and Marxism, quote, the strength of our Judeo-Christian tradition. I love this. The power of the Holy Spirit working in men. Yes, that is the antidote to atheism. It is the antidote to Marxism. It's the antidote to communism. It's the antidote to corruption. It's the antidote to everything. And in this time that we're coming into, we need to, in this church, be spirit-led. And I don't think people understand what that truly implies. That we need to be seeking the Holy Spirit, not reacting out of our flesh, Or our soul. Now, a lot of people don't understand the difference between the two, but some people will react out of their intellect, 
They'll react out of their emotion. Those are soulish reactions. Instead of waiting, stopping, and saying, okay, Holy Spirit, we need to be led with discernment in this time. And I'm telling you right now, this is where the Lord is sifting the church. Is this issue of being truly Spirit-led? I also want to talk about the balloon. Now, I we've been gone in Kenya when the balloon happened. And Tra- Travis, you got a picture of the balloon you could throw up there? I, I love this thing. Everybody's like, the balloon, the balloon, the balloon. What was the balloon doing? Why was it there? Da, 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 da. Okay. First of all, balloon spying uh, has been going on for the last hundred years. All right. So this is not necessarily anything new. The real questions I have are not in regards to was the balloon collecting intelligence, because clearly it was. Clearly, balloon platforms like that, that large, are capable of carrying EMP uh, weapons or airburst nuclear weapons. A lot of people don't understand that, but an airburst nuke that is low yield actually has a higher EMP pulse than a large nuclear weapon detonated in the atmosphere. So this, the, these platforms are, are very capable of carrying these. So, but here's my question. They track this thing in the Aleutian Islands and didn't just shoot it down. Now, the United States has sent balloons over Russia many, many times during the Cold War, and the Russians just shoot them down. There was not a big deal. They just shot them down. Why didn't the United States shoot this thing down in the Aleutian Islands? That's the first question. The second question is, what was it actually intended to do? I don't think it was necessarily intelligence gathering. I think what it was intended to do is to test our reaction, probe our reaction to how we dealt with it, see our reaction times, who reacted, when they reacted, what radar systems were used, what bases were used. That's the real issue. That's what they're really trying to do. Sam Faddis uh, in Ann Magazine has a fantastic article on that that brings this issue up, and I think that we need to uh, take a, a broader look at this, that this was bigger than just a balloon gathering intelligence. Is the Biden administration so compromised that they're actually allowing Chinese intelligence to do these things? Are our defenses so inept and weak that they're actually tipping China off and emboldening China to move quicker? And I think that the answer to these things is unfortunately yes, and we need to, you know, as, as Americans that love this country, come against in prayer and win the spiritual battles in these things and not relegate the spiritual battle to something like it's just prayer or my intercessor team is going to do that or the old ladies at church. Are doing. This is every person's responsibility to step into this time and be the sons and daughters of the living God. Be the kingdom. Now, I do want to bring up another very interesting thing. This is going to bring us to the regional front. Then we're going to get to our guests here because we're going to spend the better part of the hour talking about what God did in Kenya. Uh, We the Governed has a new article, quote, Are you a domestic violent extremist? According to Bob, uh, I'm sorry, A.G. Ferguson, probably, end quote. And what they're trying to do is demonize 
across the board, and they're already starting to do this and, tr- and try to do this with doctors, licenses, nurses. They're trying to do this. Um, it, there is one case I know of already with the Bar Association um, in regards to these fake claims of domestic extremism. Basically, if you are a Christian, they're trying to label you a domestic extremist. Now, I warned of this three, four years ago. This was where they were headed with this stuff. And I'm not saying I told you so. I'm just saying it's here. We've got to deal with this right now. Um, This bill, uh, House Bill 1333, they want to create this commission. And essentially what they want to do with this is label people without trial, by the way, without the ability to bring witnesses, without the ability to cross-examine. Um, basically using newspaper articles, uh, using supposition, using social media posts. They want to demonize entire blocks of people and then eventually criminalize them. Now, as part of the um, the list of stages that reach genocide, this is part of it, where they will try to demonize and then criminalize, and they also use lawfare in there as well, Groups of people, the founding fathers actually talked about these things, ex post facto laws and bills of attainder, which, uh, as we look at what they're doing, that's what these really are. They try to label groups of people criminals by legislation, legislative edict, without any trial again or anything like that. And so by doing that, they're actually engaging in clearly unconstitutional actions. And so we, we need to not only be praying into this, but as soon as it starts happening in our area with somebody, we need to come to their defense. Not allow this stuff to continue without any sort of check. All right, I also want to bring up uh, a couple more things here. Uh Ukrainian intelligence, I'm going to jump back out to the international front, Ukrainian intelligence, uh, but also other analysts right now just very clearly look like, uh, they say it's very clear that Russia looks like it's going to do this winter offensive, and then China is going to do something shortly after. What can you do to prepare for this? First of all, be spiritually prepared. In a time like this, this is a time of great harvest and great revival. Are you ready to do that? Do you have spare Bibles? Are you ready to baptize people in your bathtub? Are you ready to pray for people and lead them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in the middle of austere circumstances? Number two, are you prepared with food? Do you have enough food stored up right now? Um, I And I'm not making a judgment against anyone, but I, I got to tell you, if, if you're worried about whether the food you're going to be eating in an austere environment is gluten-free or not, um, you're, you're missing the bigger picture. Store up food right now as best you possibly can, and I believe this window is closing very rapidly. Also, if it looks like that China will strike with an EMP or with some sort of a cyber attack against the United States, and they've been probing us for years, be prepared for that. Have a Faraday bag. Uh, Mission Darkness is probably the best I've seen. Some say there's other ones, fine, whatever. But at least get one for your computer, for your phone, so you can throw it in there, and you can do it at a moment's notice and be ready for this stuff. Also, in your church, 
be creating community in your church. We need to go down this road. Have you wondered why eggs and chickens are being kind of attacked right now and all the other infrastructure in the United States that we have detailed on this show is being attacked? It is, it is a warning to all of us to be ready and in the best way gets you 80 to 90% solution on surviving difficult times is community. Build the community and start in your church. There's no really, there's no excuses or, or ways to rationalize it away. Just, just start in your church and be spirit-led in your community. And that is how God is going to honor it. People have asked recently, like, where do you get your news from? This is the next thing. Take a look at my Twitter feed. Make sure you're going to uh, vetted news sources and not just getting it from Fox News. Even that right now is heading sideways. Now, there's a reason Newsmax was deplatformed. There's a reason that people are being attacked on Twitter again. So check out some of the stuff that we're posting there. But if you want a good international source of what's happening in the Middle East, Debka file is great. Also, Epoch Times. And the great thing about Epoch Times is if you go to ireadepoch.com and you have the discount code Patriot Radio or the promo code Patriot Radio, you get to support two great causes. So Epoch Times for more the national side. International, I, I really like Debka file. And then if you're talking... Here locally, well, you're going to have to be with Patriot Radio and read out news. They're doing a fantastic job with the local things that are going on here in eastern Washington, North Idaho. So that's where you get your news from. Now, the last thing that I would say is this. In, in these next two, three weeks, fear is not an option for the people in the kingdom. Yes, we can objectively acknowledge that this is going to happen, that these might be very difficult times, but we need to be looking for what God is doing and what God wants us to do in these times. And what he wants us to do is not sit on the sideline or hunker down or run to the hills. He wants us to feed his sheep. He wants us to be in the middle of it, making disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, preaching the full gospel to all creation, casting out demons, praying healing for the sick, taking care of the widows and the fatherless. That's what he wants us to be doing in this time. So as you're praying about this, think about, frame everything in the way that God sees it. And lastly, ask him to open your spiritual eyes so that you can see as he sees and you can see people as he sees them as well. And that today is your briefing Remember, the antidote to dependency and socialism is to be a God-fearing, self-reliant, freedom-loving American. And I just thank you all again for, for supporting us. And remember, you can find us on Podbean, Amazon, Spotify, and all across virtually every social media site. Uh, a couple of events coming up that you all need to know about. Travis, is, there, is Circuit Riders coming up? What, what day is that, Travis? Is that the 17th? So Travis is going to post that up there right now. Circuit Riders is going to be here out in Spokane Valley at Valley. Go ahead, Travis, put it up there. We are going to 
We're going to be having a great time there, youth and young adults particularly, but everybody can come, and it is going to be reviled. There are only 2,000 seats in that place, so you need to RSVP, and you need to get on that quickly. Look forward to seeing you all on the night of the 17th. Then coming up on the 24th and 25th of February, we have Bear Paw and their school of ministry, and Bethel Worship coming to On Fire Ministries both nights. Now, the first night focused on the youth and young adults, but it's open to everybody. And then on Saturday night, it is open to everybody fully. And if you have one of those two nights, 24th or 25th, show up here at On Fire Ministries, uh, 6 o'clock. You can get here at 5. We're going to be praying and doing stuff ahead of time anyway. Show up. Be a part of the movement that is sweeping the country. And that movement is the move of the Holy Spirit. So these events are coming up here very, very soon. And we also have a couple surprise announcements. I'm going to probably let that go in the next two, three weeks. Huge events coming to Spokane, Washington. Very excited about them. And uh, again, we're already seeing revival and already seeing receiving the, the greatest harvest in the history of the world Be ready to receive the full measure of blessing God wants to pour out on you and your family. All right, Travis, thanks for putting that up. Put both of those ones up there, and also uh, if we can get the links up there, too, where people can go. Well, it's my pleasure to introduce, once again on Patriot Radio, Marlo Laredo, our administrative pastor here at On Fire Ministries, and our head of men's ministry, Minister Pete. Minister Pete Smith, who was over there in Kenya with us. Now, I want to set the stage here because this is so awesome. We work with uh, uh, some orphanages in Kenya, um, but also uh, we have a a great pastor's network there as well. So we support some orphanages there. We have a great pastor's network there. um, And they're doing a fantastic job of of transforming generations uh, in Kenya and raising up leaders. It's, It's just been it's been awesome. So our teams went over there. Uh, we were we were preaching, uh, doing open air discipleship baptisms, uh, everywhere from from different schools uh, to to pastors' gatherings, and some of it was absolutely amazing, transformative. So we want to share those testimonies today. But I want to share this with you. Most of you don't know the history of revival there in East Africa, and here's how here's how it happened. So revival started in Rwanda in the 1950s. Then it spread to Uganda. And then from Uganda, it it went to Kenya and it died out in Kenya. So the prophetic word over East Africa is that the revival and the awakening will start again in Kenya and will spread back to Uganda and Rwanda. And the East Africa will be a springboard of this great awakening to the rest of the world. I'm here to tell you, It's already happening, and we saw it happening on this trip here a week ago. Marla, Pete, you guys ready? This is awesome. Marla, I want to start with you. Just kind of as you came into Kenya, this is your second time there, describe for everybody that's listening and watching kind of what you were feeling as you, you, you got on the ground, and we got to the orphanage, and we saw the kids. I mean, kind of what was going through your mind as you first arrived? I think what was going through my mind was anticipation of the new 
measure when we went this time to Kenya. Um, so just the anticipation of what God was going to do and just to see it unfold and become real um, as opposed to the first time that I went to Kenya and just kind of for the experience to see what it was like in a foreign country. Yeah. And the, it was, it, it's awesome. Describe a little bit about the welcome. Okay. Cause this is, it's almost <laughs> indescribable. I see Pete, I want you to weigh in on this in a second, but go ahead. So, so the welcome from, from heroes for the children when they know, cause I already knew that they were prepared for when the guests were going to be coming. So um, they came quite a ways down the road. I would say probably, I don't know, a quarter of a mile feels yeah. like <laughs> this dusty dirt road, by dusty the way. dirt, yeah. bumpy road. And all these kids are lined up singing in their native tongue, uh, a worship, you know, welcoming song. And um, they made us get out of the van. And of course, uh, the first person they got, which I already knew that in advance, they were going to go for Pastor Matt. Um, but uh, they literally, the kids pick you up off the ground and you lay flat like you're kind of in a concert and they carry you all the way down the road into their campus. Um, and I think they did that with uh, Minister Pete as well. Yeah. So very exciting. Uh, we convinced them not to carry us ladies. We would just dance with them all the way down the road. So that was a little more fun. Okay, so dusty road. <laughs> Pete, we're rolling up on this dusty dirt road. And, I mean, it, it looked austere. I mean, we're in the middle of kind of nowhere, mm -hmm. you know. It looked kind of austere. And then all of a sudden we see the kids. What's your reaction? Uh, well, I thought they were just going to shake our hands and, you know, jump around and they picked me up right away I and mean, completely over their heads, probably five to six of them, uh, carrying me with their forearms as, as best I could tell. And, and they, they carried me above their heads all the way. It was clearly over a football field. I mean, a football field and a half away. And, yeah. I, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. They were you know they were giving us traditional greetings and saying buona safiwe and they were it was really cool and then but they were talking to us as well. Oh yeah, they were saying welcome. So what, what were they saying to you, Pete? Uh, just we're so excited to have you here. Can't can't wait to get to meet you and know you and talk to you. I mean they they were ecstatic about our arrival. Um, and and it wasn't just a show. Uh, when when we got to to the campus or, or inside the gate, um, the, they wanted to know all about me. And and I mean, they were hugging me. They were you know had their arms around me, and they just, they it was almost like we were celebrities, you know, mm -hmm. in, in that realm. I mean, they looked at us, yeah, like that. So Marlo, as we we come in the gate, there people are dancing and they're singing and. And uh, it just it was a lot of love, you know, just mm -hmm. so much love. So what was your impression as we came in the gate? Um, I knew uh, just the sense from being there before. And um, they felt like Pete said, they, they do feel like they kind of feel like celebrities. Of course, when they saw me, they had recognized because they had already crowned me one of their moms of their campus. So I knew when when fresh faces come that they were going to be so excited because they were going to add to their family. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like. You, you, they, they do feel like you're, you're someone like an actor or an actress or someone famous, but they also in their minds know you become part of our hero's family. Yeah, so they totally. welcome you in that respect where 
they, they're like, oh, they just want to sit down with you. They want to touch you. They want mm. hugs. They they just want to eat up. They want to just suck up your breath, pretty much. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it, that was the amazing part for me, just just feeling as family. The whole time we were there, yeah. Pete, I mean, comment on that, you know, that this yeah. this idea of family. Uh, we became it family. totally felt that. that, that is, that's even more perfect than a Hollywood movie star. It felt like... You are meeting your cousins or somebody you're blood related to for the first time. You know how when you meet family, um, you you just have that you have that kinship and connection. You, you just yeah, it's it's built in, and I felt that. And these kids, I mean, they authentically wanted to know me, and they, I felt like they really really cared about us, and they were so excited that we were there, not because they were going to receive anything. They they. Yeah, we were just part of the family. Like, we were a long-lost relative. Mm -hmm. that, that's what it felt like. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. And that what was great, too, is that we started to have other leaders from around East Africa come in and meet with us. Lambstone from uh, Mombasa. And uh, we also had people uh, representing Uganda and Rwanda there. So I, I want you, Marla... If you could talk a little bit about just like the next few days and going out. I mean, it was a nonstop schedule of preaching and just ministering, and it, it was incredible. So it's definitely an experience that you will remember forever if you only go once, and hopefully you don't just go one time. Mm -hmm. But when, when I already knew, because going before, but— um, when you go with Titus Hug, you're going to be in the ministry full time. There is no stopping. There's no excuses. There's no, I'm tired or this. It's boom, boom, boom. And I think when you get in that kind of atmosphere, you're, there's no room for you to have a discussion with the enemy of an excuse of, mm. oh, I can't or I'm weary because the Lord has given you the opportunity. So if, if you want to experience, ministry and you say, I want to be in ministry, go to a foreign country, mm -hmm. do this experience because you're going to be given the opportunity where your feet are placed in the fire and you're either going to embrace it or you're going to know, hey, this isn't what I'm called to do. Yeah. Talk about that, Pete. I mean, you had not preached in front of that many people before, I don't think. So tell the listeners a little bit and those people watching, tell about that experience. Well, I wasn't really sure what to prepare for. I was just told, well, hit the ground running. Marlo was right about that. And to be honest, I was scared to death. The first, the first day that I was scheduled on the board to go out and speak to kids. And I was thinking, you know, I am not a pastor. I, I'm not used to speaking in front of people. And I actually called my lifeline, my wife, and had her pray for me. I was just terrified and, and, we just prayed that, you know, the Lord would uh, give me a voice, and he did. And um, every day, uh, I was more prepared. I, I, he, it, it just happened for me. I was terrified, and then I, I gave it to the Lord, and, and he gave me my voice. And he gave me the ability to go in front of as almost as many as 600 kids at one time. And the more the ki the more kids there were the the louder i spoke and the more confident i became by the end, by the last day uh i was i, I was I, I was i was hard to keep quiet 
You know, it just kind of gets because they they need to hear the truth, and that's what we were there for, and we were just there to share the love of Christ, and um, that's pretty easy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and for everybody that supports On Fire Ministries, I want you to hear and really pay attention to the next uh, part of this episode because. Oftentimes you don't get details, like you get a little bit, but there, we have a lot of testimonies and we saw a lot of transformation while we were there. It was absolutely amazing. I'm going to share a couple testimonies as well, but Marla, why don't you start? What What was the most impactful thing that you saw uh, where the Lord moved just in a dramatic way? Oh my goodness. You have to narrow it down to one. Because well, there do, you can so do many. two or three. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, well, just go. I would say the first, um, thing that happened when the kids started to recognize their need for deliverance and their need for prayer. They, they meet at five in the morning for prayer. So they are a very focused, scheduled environment. So I think their ritual as far as religion and church goes and their lifestyle is set, but they didn't have the fire to go along with that, to go deeper in the Lord. And when that spark happened and you begin to hear the screams of the enemy being released out of these children, that's what really, like, just put me ablaze. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were coming up to the the staff area asking, hey, there's another kid going down. They're ready. Mm-hmm. They're they're just like, they want to be, they need deliverance. And, and it just started, one spark, just that's all it took, and one kid after another just being delivered. And... Oh my goodness, the baptism. I can't wait to, I mean, that's, wow. I want to see that on American soil. Yeah. In our young people. I want to see that in our young people Mm -hmm. um, for that to happen. Um, And just being able to, I spoke at a, I spoke a a lot. And um, to being able to speak at a church and, and then just pray over people and people to receive healing. I mean, that was just, that needs to happen on in America. We need we need that here. Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, it, we we baptized I think 150 plus uh, kids the last day that were easily. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. it was incredible, and and they were receiving freedom. But some of these kids are coming out of severe trauma. They're coming out of uh, witchcraft backgrounds, mm-hmm. uh, worship of of uh, uh, ancestors and uh, animism and that kind of thing. I mean, they're coming out of some pretty uh, pretty dark satanic stuff Mm -hmm. and you know here in america you know people get kind of freaked out at the idea of deliverance but it's very clearly in the bible that in the early church fathers all taught all of them taught that a brand new christian believer had the authority and power to cast the demon out and say leave and they were still doing that into the third century so this idea that it somehow ended with the apostles clearly was not believed by the early church fathers and mm-hmm. cannot uh, just can't stand up to historical scrutiny, that idea. So I, I just want to talk about this because th- there are a lot of demonized children that were there and adults that, that were trying to get free of witchcraft. They wanted to be free. And as we saw them receive freedom, describe a little bit about that transformation. You could definitely see when... so. I believe what was happening for the children there is they would get free of something and then the following day they would need free of something else. So it was kind of like almost like a, a, a peeling of an onion where you get to the center 
and you could really see there was a couple girls in particular that kept just manifesting, and the enemy just kept getting a stronghold. And I felt like it was just different things that were peeling off from their lives. And the last day, the day before we left, these two particular girls that went through several deliverances during the week, a few weeks that we were there, you could see on their faces, they just felt, they looked lighter, they looked happier, they just looked free. They, the, You could see the joy in their face, like they had hope that that wasn't going to be attached to them anymore, and they could wake up in the morning and not have that feeling of darkness over them. Amen. Mm. Pete, mm. for you, your experience, what really stood out to you? What was impactful? What you know, where did you see the Lord move in a pretty dramatic way that you can share with the listeners and those watching? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, the poverty in the slums was the most eye-opening thing for me. Um, but but every every family that we went and visited uh, were born again believers, so um, they had smiles on their face. They have nothing. Um, I don't even know if they had beds. They they what looked to me like they were sleeping on boards with with clothes as a mattress. Um, but they were they were smiling. They were happy and they were grateful that God was in their lives. And um, it was very humbling. Uh, I called my kids and was tell just telling them about my experience in the slums. And I completely lost it. I mean, I, I didn't know it was coming. You know, it's just a lot. It's it's very overwhelming to see poverty at that level. Um, and, and yet they're still grateful for what they do have. Um, just dirt floors and no furniture. Uh, and 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 they're they they relatively happy. Um that that to me was the most eye-opening difference because i've never seen poverty like that our homeless camps look uh they're richer than their poverty uh so mm -hmm. th that was just hard for me but uh, humbling at the same time because they were grateful well let's let's talk a little bit about that you, you know you preached in some schools what was mm -hmm. the you know obviously you guys did some altar calls what was the response um well, we, we, we had one particular school that wasn't responsive at all. It was a kind of a uppity, rich school, um, and, like, no one was responding, and uh, it kind of upset me, and I, I stood back up. We were They were asking us to exit, and I just had to say something. I was like, I came all the way from America, and you guys aren't taking this serious. It's that serious. For you guys to make a decision like this— no one stood up. I mean, not one boy stood up. And, um, you know, me being a father of boys, um, that uh, one of them isn't walking with the Lord. It just, you know, as a father, I want, you know, you want your children to follow follow Christ like we do. And uh, I, before we left, I, I, I got up and I just said, you know, this, this is the most— um, important decision you'll ever make in your life more important than picking the right wife or husband uh to to decide whether or not you're going to walk with the lord is the most important choice you'll make and and i probably talked for 10 minutes on that and uh then people were standing up and raising their hand and 
asking for for more information and I felt like you know they just needed a a firm um stance on that just to see that we were serious and I'm not usually that's not usually my personality so that that was that was that was not me that was the that was the holy spirit speaking through me he he just you know had something to say so so how many how many salvations do you think you witnessed there i mean just as a rough Gauge well, so we really, can let them really know. It's really hard to say with the schools because we were on such a tight time uh, crunch that we were almost rushed out of there. I never really got a chance to um, talk with all the kids. There was a couple of schools that we did an altar call, and you know, uh, but only only twice maybe uh, where we had time to do an altar call, um, and you know, it was. Maybe a third of the kids, uh, one school, and the other one, you know, maybe 20%. But, you know, with kids, no one wants to be the first one to stand up. And um, you could just tell kids just were stuck with being cool. And um, and I, I had mentioned something about that, too. You know, just you being cool doesn't... Th- this is so important to stand up and voice your opinion on what you want to do. So uh, it was just hard to tell because we were on a tight time crunch. Well, between, you know, the the different places we went, the different churches, I mean, we had, you know, dozens of people giving their lives to Jesus or Hmm. or being prayed over. And I mean, it sounds like in, in these, you know, schools, you're, you're talking hundreds of kids, which is, I mean, 600 to a thousand usually in each school. Yeah. So, Hmm. so hundreds of kids. So, so, you know, in Kenya right now, and this is where I kind of want to go to, the, the response that I was getting, the feedback I was getting back was, you know, hey, hundreds of kids are giving their lives to Jesus in each one of these schools as a result of these meetings. So you're talking thousands of kids in total, and, and that is transforming the next generation. I mean, that, that's absolutely amazing. I want to share one testimony uh, from North Kenya. We were up there uh, in, in very, a very austere area. And uh, 60 pastors came to this uh, conference, and uh, it was pastors from uh, the Maasai, the Samburu, uh, Kikuru, um, uh, Pakot, and it just, I mean, some of these tribes are warring tribes. They all came together. 60 pastors. Mm-hmm. And the fire of God came down, and these pastors unified, and now they're a pastor's network out of mm-hmm. this. And I believe that's bringing peace to that region because you have pastors from all these various tribes that are now unified by the Holy Spirit that is bringing peace there. And it was amazing because they were, all the small churches, they were inviting all of us, you know, a couple dozen people to go and preach in all of these small churches. And they were so hungry for the word of the Lord. It was incredible to see that. You go out into this uh, place where they had manadas, which is essentially a, um, very small shack that is very short. So if you're over six feet tall, um, you're, you're hitting something going into that thing. And very, very simple, humble means. Mm. But they were so hungry for God. And some of them were traveling 20 or 30 kilometers on, on motorbikes. In fact, one group of pastors, three pastors, was on one motorbike. They traveled, <laughs> I don't know, 60 kilometers to get there. They were so hungry for the Lord. I want to see that in the United States. Man. And so, Marla, if you could weigh, weigh in a little bit on that and kind of the hope that and the fire that kind of came out of 
all of these meetings and and uh, just that individual ministry that was happening too. So I definitely think the pastors this time were really excited, and I'm glad that um, we had the opportunity to pour into them because I think it just brings them hope that there is a that there is a network, and they don't have to be at you know fighting amongst one another because they have a, a one cause, and that's the kingdom. So laying aside what has been tradition in their um, tribes to actually unite for the kingdom. And just seeing that, because we went, we visited several churches, even on the last day, I think we were at six churches, um, and we went out two by two. Let's do it scripturally, two by two. That's right. And uh, so, which was very exciting. And, um, but you just saw a new fire in these pastors. They were like, bring it, come on, let's, let's, what do you got? Let's do it. Let's take it. Let's take us back to the book of Acts. Let's have that real experience of fire and, and just a freshness. I th- I just felt renewal for them. Mm-hmm. Like it was definitely a renewal. And they felt poured into um, that we would come all this way just to pour into them because now they have something new. Like, you know, even doing communion with them was precious. Like that's something new. I just, I think that was foreign to them as well. Mm-hmm. So just taking them to a next level was very important. Right, and I think they were excited, too, that this was going to come back to America. I think in this prophecy of Kenya being a springboard, mm. we were seeing it with our waking eyes. Pete? Mm. Uh, yeah, with what Marla said, uh, all the pastors that I met, not as many as you guys, because you guys were always at the pastor meetings. I was more with the schools. But the pastors that we uh, came alongside They were so grateful that we were there and that we were pouring into these kids and pouring into them. You know, they were grateful, you know, for our friendship and and that we cared enough to come all that way to just encourage them and just pray with them, them pray with us. And um, just just knowing that the body of Christ goes beyond their borders. It goes across the seas and around the world. And and, you know, one thing that that really humbled me was just God. we all have the the same thing in common and that is you know jesus christ is our lord and savior and i mean they they love the lord just like i do and uh no different you know so to me that that was that's what we all have in common so one of the things that i saw too there was you know, we were speaking in English or Swahili, sometimes in, in Maasai, in, in the different dialects as we, you know, as we had to, as we had to minister and based on the circumstance. But one of the things that really stood out to me was the passion to end, from all of the pastors involved, to end this practice of child marriages. And uh, we saw some pretty dramatic things happen uh, while we were there. Marla, can you describe a little bit about what even the child marriage thing is and, and kind of what you saw? Um, well, the child marriages is, um, and I don't, not particular on the details if they do it in certain tribes, but I do, do know the Samburu people. Um, I think some of their, their families can marry uh, their children off at like eight years old. And so you have an eight-year-old daughter, and your family needs funds, so you sell her so that your family can survive. 
And so you have like an eight-year-old girl, and by the time she's 13 or 14, she has two kids. And um, so you you see that a lot. Um, I, I think I met like at one of the places we went to and prayed over them. This was an 18-year-old girl. She had four children already. Um, and um, But such hope, like such hope and a testimony of what God can do. And so the pastors of these particular uh, people are seeing the revelation of the importance. This one pastor had like 10 wives, and then he came to Christ. Mm. And now he has one wife. Mm. And he's still supporting all the other ones, but he's seeing the realization and how a generation now how that has to shift, mm-hmm. um, and but you did see the um, the wounded of in these in these kids that are like 13, 14 years old that have children, and and you're just seeing the full the full cycle of, and and that's why heroes is involved um, just to help these broken uh, children in pieces that that they don't know what how to do how to deal with. <laughs> And one of the ladies actually had gone through the program. I mean, she had had yes. a kid at 11 years old and then mm-hmm. 13 years old and had actually made it through the program and now is helping to minister to other people. Yes, and she's with, she's from the Samburu tribe, so um, her testimony is just going to shake that tribe um, because seeing the transformation in her life and that she never gave up hope of just wanting to end it all. Um, um, it's really going to be a testimony for them. And I'm excited to, to hear and see how that's going to affect that tribe and how she's going to transform. I believe the Lord's going to send her back to them and just raise up something in their community where it's going to be a transformation for them. Definitely. Absolutely. So Pete, what was, what did you experience? How did, what did you see in that regard, uh, in your time? Well, the only thing that I can think of that I saw was when we went to uh, the out in the desert and slept in the mud huts, the minatas. Minatas. Um, those ladies that that were tribe ladies dressed up in their stuff. They were married. Three, three or four of them were married to one man, but he had passed on. So, and then since uh, gave their life to Christ. Uh, they're the only ones that I knew of that um, were in a multi-marriage situation. So, uh, again, I was usually at the schools, um, so I have more experience there. So, with with the the last couple of days, we saw something kind of dramatic. There was a a young woman in one of the outlying villages. A, a team had gone out there and they had met her, and uh, she was uh, getting ready to be married or, or potentially sold off as a child bride. And uh, the network of pastors actually ended up rescuing her mm. that evening and bringing her to safety. Pretty incredible story. We got mm-hmm. to actually witness that as well. Um, and just, just a kind of a testimony to those pastors there working so diligently. And again, across tribal lines to make sure uh, that these girls uh, are, are, are being saved and uh, are given hope and given a life. So last couple minutes that we have left, Pete, any final closing thoughts on what you experienced there in, in the move of the Lord? Uh, well, just how much the Lord <laughs> moved in me. Um, you know, I was going there thinking I'm going to 
show them a thing or two. But the, what they taught me was, you know, just the appreciation of just of life. And I knew that I, I know that we have it good here, but oh my goodness, do we have it good here? Our our, our lives are so simple compared to theirs, and um, just what the Lord did in in my life just uh, emboldening me, uh, just empowering me to be able to speak on a level that honestly, I never thought I'd be able to do not in front of 600 kids, um, and be bold and speak boldly. Um, he, he give me that ability, the Lord, I, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that was my prayer all week, just every day. And, and, and he did that, uh, through me, um, and, and, you know, my faith is just stronger than it was even when I went just, just because of the experience of seeing that culture and, um, being thankful for all that I have here and my, my church family here, I, I just so embrace, um, you know, how, how tight we are. And then we get to go over there and, and do a ministry, uh, just, uh, furthering the kingdom, I mean, come on. I mean, I, I I love my church. I love my family here. And to be able to go side by side with you guys um, uh, just made me grow immensely in my in my walk. I, I mean, I mean, what what else could you ask for? Yeah, and I think that that's a great message for everybody out there that has not been on the mission field, not been to a third world country before. I think right. it's it's a it, it's just a transformative thing for Christians to go do that. Yeah. Um, and especially our our younger generation to go overseas and see the way the rest of the world really is. Yeah. And, it, you know, when you get back to America, you're absolutely kissing the ground and, and and thanking God that he has put you here. But at the same time, you get to see how he can transform even in the most austere environments in the world and use you. I mean, who who are we, right? Right. And he uses <laughs> us to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So, Marla, any final thoughts from your end? I would say my final thought would be to people who are doubting or questioning, saying, well, I'm not a missionary. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, that's for other people. Or I'm not called to the mission field. If you're a follower of Christ, you're called. That's right. And you need to lay aside your selfishness and your own well-being to, to experience a foreign country because inside of each and every person is a still small voice. And that still small voice you need to start listening to because the Father wants to empower you, or He has empowered you to go out. The Bible says to go out, go forth, mm. and preach the gospel. And that doesn't mean just in your social circle. That's right. That means to get out of your circle, get out of yourself, and let the Holy Spirit move. So I just would say to... Anyone who's doubting if they can be used in the kingdom, you can be used in the kingdom. You have an opportunity to minister, and the Lord is just looking for a willing vessel. And it was powerful, so powerful. Yeah, and that's what happened to me, Matt. Last year, the Lord said to me, when Titus came back and and Marla came back, you're going to Kenya next year. I'm like, I told Wendy, I'm going to Kenya? I, I have no desire to go to Africa whatsoever, but it, it was his plan, not my plan. And, you know, who am I to say no? So absolutely to what you said, um, I've always thought, 
missionary field is for other people. And no, I believe it's for every person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's real quick. I want you guys to weigh in on this. There are some people that are skeptical about the casting out of demons. Um, <laughs> there's many new podcasts out there. Isaiah Saldivar and, and other people are doing a great job. Lance of Juke. But, you know, many people still doubt that that's actually the case, that demons can be cast out of people, or people that can even be demonized, right? Marlo, what would you say to the doubters on that? What I would say is go to the mission field. If you're doubting it, go and experience it. If you're, if you're doubting it because uh, the American church is, someone asked me, how, why is it so much easier when you go to a foreign country for people to be healed or for them to have deliverance, set free, be baptized, embrace the Holy Spirit, want all God has for them. Here, here, here is, here's the issue. We lack in our belief of our faith to move forward. Them, when you show it to them in their word, they're like, they're like raising their hand. They're like running up saying, I want it. I want it. I want all God has for me. We want all God has for us as long as it fits the conditions that we're willing to go towards. And so these people, when when there is so much these these orphans and and people that have lived in in these tribes, there is ancestral things that have been passed down to them that they have no idea that they're just going through the motions and the rituals. And there's these little things that are attacking them, and and they're like leeches, and they can't reach them. They can't reach them. So when someone comes in and begins to minister to them and speak the word over them, that they're actually removing them from them so they become free. I mean, it, it was it was just amazing. It was amazing because all it took was one simple prayer and they would just begin to manifest and the and and the demon, you could see it come out come out of their bodies. I mean mm, you could mm, you couldn't mm, deny it. No. It wasn't an act no. or a show. Mm. These are children. Mm. They they they're just they're just living their life, you know, chewing gum and like just having a good time, right? And all of a sudden the the word strikes them and, and they're like, oh the enemy respond. He can't he can't abide where the word of life is. Mm. Pete real quick, thirty seconds. What would you say to the skeptics and the doubters? I was the skeptic. <laughs> I was the skeptic um and then, and then, and then you guys asked me to uh, baptize people in the Holy Spirit, and I did. And I actually had two girls um, uh, manifest and, and and right in front of me and go down to the ground. And then we prayed them out, and Victoria came alongside me. And I, I, so we do have the power to to um, cast out demons and. I, I saw it with my own eyes, and I couldn't even believe I was present during during that time. So, but God is good all the time. Amen. God is good all the time, and all the time, God, God is, is good. good. That's one of the, the the sayings over there, and and uh, a great greeting that they have in mm-hmm. the church. Well, I want to thank you both for being on Patriot Radio today and, and sharing your testimonies. It was just an honor to serve with you over there on the mission field, and and uh, I'm sure we're going to have more stories in the days to come as well. Uh, I want to end the show today just with a reminder to everybody, coming up, two events, Circuit Riders, um, Youth and Young Adults, but if you're an adult, you can still come, Youth and Young Adults, uh, February 17th, 6 p.m., Valley Christian School. Uh, We look forward to seeing you all there. 
Uh, Travis has put up the links there so you can RSVP and get even more information. Also coming up, Bear Paw and their school of ministry and Bethel Worship going to be at On Fire Ministries on the 24th and 25th. The 24th will be a youth and young adult service. The 25th will be for the whole community. That'll be at 6 o'clock as well. Look forward to seeing you all there. This is Matt Shea. Thank you so much for joining me on Patriot Radio today. May God bless all of you. And may he make this generation and continue making this generation the greatest one. Keep up the fight.